Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Today, um, we're going to jump into the third part, presence. Presence. And, and we're going to look into this. We're going to look into presence. Uh, I want you to repeat three things with me. Say, God's presence came to me. Good. Say this, God's presence is for me. And can you say this last one? God's presence transforms me. Yeah. And we're going to talk about this. This is part three of our series, Pop. And in reality, we've been teaching Pop for months now. You know, I went back and I looked and I said, man, we've been on presence for five months straight already. That's pretty amazing as a church that since April, we've been speaking and teaching on presence. Why is that special? Because I believe that something that is not being preached a lot of lately is the presence of God because of what it does, because of what it is. Sometimes people are scared. How can you be scared to talk about the presence of God? And there's so much that we have said and taught when it deals with presence. And I truly feel this that I've exhausted in the best way that I could. I've exhausted the teaching of presence. I'll prove it to you. I don't know what else to almost say about presence because I've been on it for five months. Every time I've preached, if you go back into the archives, if you go back to our podcast, you will see that almost every single Sunday I'm teaching on an element of presence for the last five months. I know it was a struggle for me because as I was getting this message done Normally, thoughts and stuff are rolling throughout the week, and I'll take one day to kind of put it all together. And that one day normally will last four to five hours because of everything that already God has done throughout the week. Well, that didn't happen this time. This time, it was 12 hours standing, staring at my computer screen like, what, 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 what? Come on, God, give me a phone call from heaven. I've exhausted presence, and I've taught on presence, Lord. Give me something fresh that I could share as we end this pop series. And I believe that, that God is going to speak something special um, to you today. Amen? Presence. Say presence. presence. There's just something about that word. You know, this push or this leading of the Holy Spirit, it began when we, when we shared that first message. How many of you remember that message, jump in the water? Remember that one? And then it was so intense that I came back and I said, it didn't, I didn't mean for this to happen, but we're going to go into jump in the water part two. And that's when it started. It started so much that we had a meeting amongst pastors and we said, well, what do we want our getaway, our church getaway to be? We're having one in February. In a couple weeks, we're going to start announcing it. You're going to start signing up, give your first deposit. It's going to be an amazing time together in the presence of God. So all the pastors began to speak and I stayed quiet. I just heard them all. And they were all giving their, 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 um, their little views of what our, 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 our getaway should be called. Yadi's wearing a shirt today that says expect. That was one of our years. Um, getaways was called expect. So one of them was like alive. And we we're like, okay. And another one said, um, I, I forgot what the other ones were called. But another one said something else. And we're like, okay. And, and they're like, well, what do you think, Rigo? And I just kept staring at them. I said, I, I, I don't know how to explain this to you guys. But, but God has our church riding a wave of presence. And if it doesn't have nothing to do with presence, we're going to fail in our getaway. we got to focus on the presence of God if we're calling the people of God to get together. 
So we just spent five months on presence. And in February, we're going to jump into a getaway together as a church family. And we're going we're gonna to get into a getaway. And for those days, all we're going to be doing is salivating over presence. It's actually, uh, I'll release to you the theme of, our, of, next year, of this year, February. It's really next year, but you get it. Of our getaway, it's actually called Riverbound. Riverbound. And, and that's what I want our church to be, bound for the river, bound for the presence of God. Where are you going? I don't know. I'm just running into the water. I'm running into the river, the river that flows from the throne of God in the new Jerusalem. And everything that it touches, it brings life. Uh, if I am hungry, if I am thirsty, I am thirsty and hungry for one thing. The river that flows from the presence of God. I am bound for the presence. How many of you could say amen? Man. And that's kind of where it's all started. That's where we're heading. I, I don't know what God's doing, but God is really doing something in our team and us to really get deeper into his presence and um, I believe that this is uh, being led by the Holy Spirit. How many of you would agree with me and say, definitely it's being led by the Holy Spirit. We're seeing it clearly in this church. Anyone? Amen. So what do we do? We, we started all this craziness of presence. And we started, if you could turn your Bibles, in Exodus chapter 33. We looked into the life of Moses, if you remember that day. And Moses was on Mount Sinai on Exodus 33. And he's having a conversation with God. Him and God are, are dialoguing, and it's an amazing, an amazing passage. In Exodus 33, verse 13, I'm going to skip around because we've preached this already, but just so that you can remember, this is what Moses tells the Lord. He says, if it is true that you have favor on me, then let me know your ways so that I may understand you more fully. I don't know if you remember this message, but that the way that we understand more fully ourselves and God is, is knowing the ways of God. And then Moses goes and he says, and, and that I will continue to enjoy in this favor of yours. And, and remember that this nation, the children of Israel, remember, Lord, it's your very own people. And then verse 14, the Lord replies back to Moses and look what the Lord says to him. He says, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. I, I, I taught you guys that in the King James, it actually says, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. I will personally go with you. And, and we discussed that. Thank you, Lord, that you made this relationship and this thing that we called our religion Thank you, Lord, that you made it personal to us. You made it personal for us. It, that, that, that there's something that, that is around and within us that, that it's there. We could almost touch it and it's the presence of God. And, and the Lord confirms to Moses or affirms to him, yeah, yeah, my presence is with you and it will go with you. You know, verse 15, Moses probably thought about what the Lord just said. And he's thinking about what the Lord just said. Look what, look what Moses says next in verse 15. He says, well, you know what, Lord? I got something to tell you. If you don't personally go with us, then don't make us leave this place. Man. Like, like did, you, did you get this? Because Moses could have said anything and gone anywhere. Mo Listen to me. Moses was leading millions of people here. Moses had some influential leaders around him. 
And if you think for once that Moses was not being <laughs> pulled one way and pulled the other way and pulled that way, you better believe he was. But he stopped all the pulling. He stopped all the voices. And he came to one conclusion. And here it is. And he says this. If you don't personally go with us, then we're staying here. I don't care what they say and what he says and what she says and what they believe. I'm going to tell you something right now, Lord, in your presence. This is what I confess. If you personally don't go with us, then we better just stay right here. And that's monumental for this church. That's huge for us as believers. Because where are we actually going to go if God's presence has not first gone before us? Right? We're planning, 18th is going to be beautiful, but reality is this. We only go where God's presence leads us to go. And we understand what Moses says because if you don't personally, if your presence is there, I might as well not go because Moses has recognized that outside of your presence, all I've experienced is failure. And if this stuff is going to succeed, if this stuff is really going to happen, what you say, rivers flowing of, rivers flowing of honey and milk and, and, and all these things, and, and this land that you're going to give me is really accurate like you say it is, Lord, then watch this. I'm not going unless presence goes with me. If not, I'm staying put. So I read this and I was like, I know this for a fact because... I know God has something for this church and I know God has something for every individual here and I know that there's a land for every single one of you. God has a land prepared. I know that because even eternally there's a land prepared. When, when Jesus left, he said what? Hey, I'm going to be gone for a little while but know this, that I go to prepare a place for. He's preparing lands for you. He's preparing mansions for you. He's preparing homes and dwelling places for you. And if you think that planet earth and what you have here right now is all that God has for you, man, you are really absent of the presence of God. Get into the presence of God and you will see that God has so much more for the believer in Christ. But watch this. Lord, I will never make it there if I'm not in your presence first. And Moses understood this. So what does the Lord reply? You know, the Lord has the last word, right? So the Lord says, Mo, I will make all of my goodness pass before you. And I will call out my name. Everyone say, call out my name. Say that. Yeah. And I will say my name is Yahweh. Remember this? The existing one. The proper Hebrew word, we learned this from of Yahweh is the existing one. And the Lord says, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will... Call out my name, Yahweh, the existing one. And I will call out my name before you. And I will show you mercy. This is amazing. When we read this passage, as we get into this now, we get this, that Moses was convinced that without God's presence in his life, he was useless. And it was useless for him to attempt to do anything. Ever felt like that? Now Moses says, I'm not going anywhere unless I know that you are with me. Many of us have gone outside of God's presence and we've recognized that God's not there and he hasn't been honored and glorified in our present situation. Oh, it all because you stepped outside of God's presence. Ever felt that? Have you ever been in a point of your life where all 
now is happening and you've recognized, shoot, I've left God's presence. I got to go back to the most important thing, and that is to be a person of presence, a people of God. Ever been there? That is why all heck and all stuff and all things might riot around an individual and they stay calm, collective. Yeah, they have weary days. Yeah, they cry at times, but they have a faith that remains. How is it that you do it? I'm in presence. What's the difference between one that crumbles and falls and can't get back up and the one when all ache starts hitting at their door, they still stand tall in faith? Let me tell you what it is. They're both getting bulldozed. They're both getting hurt. They're both feeling pain. But the one that lasts, the one that stands in faith could say this. Oh, I've remained in presence. The one that has collapsed and shattered says, through it all, I walked out of presence. And Moses recognizes, I'm not going anywhere unless I know you're with me. And we've learned this, that what sets us apart from all other people, from all others, is that God's presence is with us. So here's the first point, and you've repeated this already together. The first point I want you to write down in your notes, if you've already started taking them, write this down. Ready? I want you to know this today. God's presence came to me. God's presence came to us. God's presence came to us. I can't put on a rocket on my back. I can't do anything to get to God. Praise the Lord that he first got to me. And I want to live in this moment, this moment of presence, that, that our present state is better in his presence. We said that. What's your present state look like? Do you believe this, that your present state can be better if it's in his presence? How many of you could believe that for yourselves? That we will live in this, that, that there is a presence and that there is a God that is found who has come to us. That's the first point. And makes himself known and declares his name, which serves us as a reminder that he is Yahweh, the existing one. I really want you to catch this today. Because, because what he's saying is this. Listen, I've come to you when you first could not find me or come to me. How many of you could praise God because he came to you and found you before you were ever able to get to him and find him? Came to you and I, and I found you when you couldn't. And he says, my presence came to you. So when you feel that, listen to these things that the Lord was sharing in my heart. When you feel that you're defeated or you're shameful, when you feel you're lost or you're hurt, rejected, sinful, dirty, maybe you've gone so deep that you can't come out or you've lied so much that you can never say the truth. Whatever it is, he doesn't call out your name ever in scripture. What does he tell Moses? I will call out what? Oh, I thought you guys were reading the Bible with me. <laughs> I will call out my name. I will call out my name. He, he doesn't say, well, Moses, I'm going to call you out. He said, Moses, when I appear, when I appear, whatever state that you're in, whatever thoughts you're having, whatever struggles you're going through, whatever depression or oppression you feel, I'm going to walk into the middle of your life and I'm going to just do this. Ready? I'm going to call out my name and remind you that I'm Yahweh. I'm the existing one in whatever you're going through. And then that's, 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 that's what this passage is. That's what the Lord is saying. I'm the existing one. Whatever you feel, whatever it is, I don't call out your name. You know, it's funny because the Lord doesn't step into your life and, and just say this about you. Ready? The Lord never. Find it to me in scripture. You won't find it. The Lord does not step into your life and say, shame. How are you doing today? Shameful. Doesn't do that. 
The Lord will not walk before you and in your life and say, you reject. How does it feel, reject? Doesn't do that. Thank God. The Lord does not come into your life and say, liar, addict. He doesn't just come to you and do those things. Mess up. He doesn't do any of that. Instead, he comes into our lives, and what he does is so special. He calls out his name instead. What, what do you mean? He covers you in his name. What? So when you stand up and say, my, my name is shame, Jesus steps in the middle and says, not anymore. Your name now is found in Christ. I'm the existing one. Now when you say I'm an addict, or, or when you say I'm, I'm painful, or I'm hurt, when you say that, that I'm rejected, when you say I'm a liar, when you, when you say whatever it is that you might define yourself as, Jesus steps in the middle and says, and who told you I see you that way? I step and I never call you reject, shameful, liar, any of that adulterer. You know what I do? I step in the middle and I call out my name and it's Yahweh, the existing one, is with you and before you. That's the God that we serve. Many other religions know you got to do so many things to get right with God. You got to plant so many fruits before the idol. You got to say so many prayers. There are some religions that you got to you got to you got to face a certain direction. You know why we don't face certain directions? Because the presence of the living God is in us. So our direction is within us. God's presence in me. And when, when, he, when he establishes me and he, he rediscovers me and he rewrites my story and, and he begins to show me who I really am, he doesn't do it by telling me, you know, you kind of are a liar. You kind of are an addict. You kind of, you do kind of suck. He doesn't do none of that. Instead, he comes into my life and he says, let me make myself known to you. Have you met me yet? I will call out my name. My name is Yahweh, the existing one. My presence, Moses, is with you. And my presence, Moses, will go before you. I don't care that you are a murderer. I don't care that you are a criminal. I don't care that you have a past. I don't care that you're wanted in Egypt. You go back to Egypt because Yahweh is with you. I don't see you the way others define you. I see you the way my presence defines Because Moses had a rap sheet. He could have said, God, I can't go back to Egypt. No way. So when your definition, when your description of yourself is everything outside of his presence, he then wants to redefine and rewrite your story and give you a better present and a better future. He doesn't just relate to you because of your shame. He wants to relate to you because he is good and because he loves you. He wants to redefine and rewrite it. So that's your definition, your description, your identity, your, your everything. Listen to this. When we're in Christ in his presence, it's now found in him, in his presence. So whatever name you call out on yourself, listen to what I'm going to tell you. It is drowned by the name of God which he calls out all upon you. It's drowned. So, so don't say this out loud. I would never want to put you in a weird position. But what name do you call for yourself? I'm going to be very, very open today and very loving but yet very deep within you. There are so many people that are sitting here today right now that struggle with things since maybe they were even children. 
since you were five years old, seven years old, since, since your memory could remember, since your memory serves you. And you've been defined by what your voice and by what you've always gone through and what you've always said about yourself. And you struggle, you struggle with this reality. Is, is it who I think I am inside? Is it who my voice, this voice keeps telling me? Or, or do I believe what God is telling me in scripture? And, and you've battled with, with some serious internal battles in your life. There are some of you in here that you won't even dare to tell someone the depth of stuff that's going on in you because you will be embarrassed maybe or you will be filled with shame maybe or you feel that you will be exiled and no one will ever talk to you again if you ever admit what's deep down inside of you, huh? I wonder if anyone in here feels like that. I can never tell anyone this stuff. I can never share this stuff with anyone what's happening here. How long has it been happening? Since I was a kid. What do you mean? Walk me through it. I don't know. Since my memory serves me, I've always thought this way about myself. I've always done this. Or I've always gone this way. But what I'm trying to tell you is when God steps into your life, he sees all that. He recognizes all that more than you will ever recognize it and see it. And yet, he doesn't call that stuff out on you. All he says is give me a chance. Let my presence come. Let my presence fill you. And let me make my name known to you. And let me show you that in the midst of whatever it is that you've been hiding and shameful about for so many years, let me show you that even in the midst of that, I can show you that I am the existing one and I'm more than able to carry you in the midst of that. I wonder if any of you believe that today. The existing one, God's presence came to us. You know, in Exodus 3, I'm going to read 1 through 6 real quick and then I'll jump to verse 11. Just flow with me. So Moses was tending the flock, right? Of Jethro, his father-in-law. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness the mountain of God. You're going to remember this story. We've shared it here. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. And Moses saw that through the bush, was, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Verse 3. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Verse 5. He says, do not come any closer Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father. I read all this stuff and I say, this stuff sounds amazing, huh? This is pretty amazing. I want to experience this. Like I want to walk a dog in a neighborhood and see a tree on fire and call my name. And then says, I'm God. I'm like, whoa, I'm having a Moses experience. Sounds amazing. But you know, in reality, if we only really knew what was happening within Moses you know, we read this story. So how many of you have read this story before, heard this story, preached this story, heard someone preach this story, right? Almost every single person here. If you haven't, don't feel left behind. We're going to talk about it for a second. It's a very popular story in the Word of God. And we read it like, wow, that's cool, the, the burning bush experience, and God spoke to the bush, and that's kind of what started to change Moses' life forever after hiding for 40 years and all that good stuff. That's pretty amazing. And I say, yeah, it sounds amazing, right? But, but the truth is, if you really take an de- in-depth look of the life of Moses, if you really knew what was happening within Moses, you would read Exodus 3 in a whole different way. You want to know how I know that? Skip down to verse 11. This is why I know it wasn't as glorious as you think it is. Because verse 11 gives us an insight of what was really happening inside of Moses. Oh, it's glorious. 
Take your sandals off or you stand on holy ground. And there's a fire and there's a, there's a voice speaking and God is giving them all these words. But, but what, you, what we forget to remember is verse 11. And Moses said, but who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Everyone say, who am I? Come on, everyone say, who am I? And, and that's what Moses comes to the understanding of it. He, he, he's, he's hearing God. He's, he's listening to, to God. He's seeing this bush which seems strange and yet amazing. And, and he says, uh, I'm here. Is it you who's talking to me? And God gives him some commands in verses 7 through 10. And he comes with this up, with this answer. Well, well, Lord, I have one thing to ask you. Who am I that I should go and do this? It's not as glorious as you first think when you first read it. It's not about a burning bush on fire and God speaking to him, giving him commands. It's about a man who is struggling with some self-esteem issues. It's a man who is struggling with some sin that is deep within him. It's a man who is struggling with some shame that has been haunting his life for over 40 years. It is a man that if certain people see him, they have hitmen after him and he could be killed from one second. This is not just your ordinary guy. This is a man who is the most shameful human being at this moment. And, and he's like, I can't do this. Who am I? This is not the same Moses that has the rod and lifts it up and the sea breaks in half. This is not the same Moses that sticks his hand and takes out leprosy and then he's whole. This is not the same Moses that puts the rod on the ground, the staff, it turns into a snake. He grabs it again, it turns into a stick again. This is not that same Moses. This is the Moses that says, well, who am I? Because I don't know if you've read through my life yet, but I'm a pretty disgusting individual. Ever felt like that? Ever felt disgusting? Because your pastor has. I, I, I have felt so disgusting at times that the last thing I want to do is come up here and preach. Who am I? I felt so dirty at times that the last thing I want to do is meet with someone. I know what it is to struggle in a marriage and then meet with a marriage and tell them how their marriage could get better. I know what it is to be disgusting and yet trust God for his goodness. Anyone in here? Who am I? Because I'm a pretty nasty, ugly, disgusting, shameful, sin-ridden individual. I'm like, yes, because so am I. Who am I? It's an amazing statement by Moses because maybe in the beginning here you don't understand why, but God understood why. Even before Moses asked it, Moses understood why, hence the reason why he asked it. When Moses said, well, who am I that I should go? You know what he was really saying? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I'm a murderer. I'm a fugitive. I'm a criminal. I'm actually seen by Pharaoh and Egypt as a thug. I'm hated by everyone in that land. Huh? You've ever felt like an outcast before God? Some of you were in worship right now and you saw people lifting up your hands and you probably thought that is the weirdest thing that people can do. I've been in the presence of God and I've seen people dance and I'm so ridden inside with filth and shame that the last thing I want to do is raise my hand and sing a song and dance and look at them and I say, how weird is that person? How many of you say this message is good today? I know what this is like. Have you ever felt like an outcast before the Lord? Hey, you've ever been to like a prayer circle and you hear someone pray and you just, you kind of do one of these? Come on, you do one of these? 
I'm supposed to follow that? I'm supposed to say that? I'm just going to repeat the same thing they said. <laughs> ever felt like an outcast before God? You've ever felt like an outcast at church on Sunday? You're supposed to feel welcome and at home here, and then the last thing that you feel is welcome and at home. Actually, like, when is this going to end? Because I want to run out of this building because the people in here are weird. <laughs> Come on. I know what that's like. Because I pass through this place, and sometimes I want to run out of here and say, the people in here are weird. Starting with behave. Starting with me. Who am I? You've ever felt awkward? You've ever felt like an outcast before those real holy Christians? Yeah. You've ever felt weird about in front of them? They've ever made you feel shameful? They've ever belittled you? They, hey, has anyone ever made themselves feel this high and made you feel this little? Shame on them. Shame on them. Shame on you for giving them power over you. <laughs> Who do they think they are? Get down from your throne, man. You've ever, you've ever felt so, sorry if it's someone from this church. We're going to deal with them. We're, we're trying to find who they are. Because <laughs> that's not who God is. He washes he lets prostitutes wash his feet. He eats at sinners' homes. He doesn't agree with their lifestyle, but he doesn't, he doesn't reject them either. Come on. Who am I? Who am I? God, God, are you kidding me? Who am I? And while this is going on in your mind, follow with me, church, follow with me. I believe that the Spirit of God is really speaking deeply to certain people in here. While, while all of this stuff is going on in your mind, when all of this stuff is going on in your soul, while you're trying to get your thoughts and your words together, the Lord then answers and he says, where you stand is holy. Take off your sandals. This is holy ground. Oh, and I am your God. Who am I? You're in holiness now. Relax. Take off your shoes. You know the whole taking off your shoes stuff. That stuff is weird. Every single person in here probably has their shoes on. But if you were really at home, and you really felt comfortable, you then would take off your shoes. My son is just like me. He walks into the door, and the first thing he says is, take off my shoes, take off my shoes, take off my shoes. <laughs> and while he's saying that, he already sees that his dad has his shoes off. You know why? You know why I take off my shoes? Because I'm home. There is no need to have shoes on at home. Who am I? I'm a, I'm a murderer. I'm a fugitive. I'm a killer. I'm wanted. I'm hated. Shh. You're home. Take off your shoes. I'm your God. Come on. I might just preach with my shoes off today. You're home. But wait, I know you're saying I'm home, but let me tell you the top 10 things about my life of how disgusting I am. Shh. Take off your shoes. Welcome home. By the way, I am your God. Have we met? I'm your God. I feel small when I don't wear shoes. You know that? Shorter than what I am. <laughs> Mess with me. And my shortness. I'll go Napoleon complex on you guys. <laughs> now, nah, I've never dealt with that. All my short people say, Yeah, yeah, yeah amen. All my people under 5'7 say, 
Come on, give God some glory if you're under 5'7". Come on, praise him. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God chose you to be 5'7", 5'6", 5'6", 4'3", 2", 1'4", 11'10", 9". Small person, yes. God loves you the way he formed you and made you. Church is fun. I'm your God. Did you see this? Because in his presence, your shame, murder, criminal past, addictions, weaknesses, pain, abuse, letdown, none of it has weight in the presence of the almighty God. Man, I'm going to have an altar call. We haven't had one in a while. And whatever you carry, none of that stuff has weight before the presence of God. We're going to pray for you, and we're going to believe that that weight is nothing before God's presence. How many of you could say amen? In his presence, your sins and darkness dies. Listen, and his presence, his light and righteousness rise. You should write that. In his presence, your sin and darkness dies, and in his presence, his light and righteousness rise. I can't, I'm not good, I'm this, I'm that. Let me tell you, all my disgust. And God steps into the middle and he says, take off your sandals. You're standing on holiness. You will, I am your God. Whatever name, whatever name we might use to describe ourselves, whatever name that you use to form and to give an appearance of who you are, whatever name you have for yourself, God looks at you and says, well, I have a better one. I am the one that in the midst of whatever you call yourself, I look at you right in the eyes and say, I'm the existing one. I am your God. Take off your feet. Take off your shoes. Feet will be weird. For you are in the presence of home. You're in the presence of home. Your God who doesn't look at you for who you are outside of his presence, but your God who looks at you or who you can be in his presence. Come on. I'm a murderer, right? But when my presence gets you, you're going to be preaching to murderers. I'm a thug, right, but when my presence gets in you, you're going to see the difference. You see, it's all different in his presence. You know what happens to things in his presence? One time they stuck in the presence of God in the most holy place where the mercy seat was in the tabernacle. They stuck a dead rod, a rod of Aaron, the rod of the high priest. It was a dead rod, a dead rod. Everyone say dead rod. Yeah, had no life, had no bud in it, but they stuck it in the presence of God. When the high priest went inside the presence of God, guess what they found? The, bud, the, the rod of Aaron began to bud and began to give life. Let me tell you something. Because in the presence of God, the way you define yourself as death, everything is redefined as life. I'm telling you today, God's presence is more than able, more than alive for you today. I want to be like Aaron's staff that buds again. Whatever name, God has a better name. Everyone say, God has a better name. Come on, God has a better name. That's what I should have titled this message, but we have to stick to the pop acronym. But God has a better name. God has a better name, and his name is, I'm existing in your life. I need you to know this. If you're taking notes, write it one more time. God's presence came to me. Say that. But I also need you to know this. Ready? God's presence is for me. Not only did it just come to you, but watch this. It is for you. It didn't just come to you for the sake of coming to you. Listen to this. But it came to us to reveal that his presence is actually for us. 
I love what Augustine says. He, he's talking about faith and that, that faith teaches the soul to desire. But then he goes on to say this about God. Watch what Augustine says. Ready? He says, by letting himself be longed for, God extends desire. By letting himself be desired, he extends the soul. By extending the soul, he makes it capable of receiving him. And, and that's it, man. That we'd be stretched in our longing, in our desires, in our soul. That we would receive more of him. You know what I'm recognizing walking in this Christian walk, walking with this relationship with Jesus? This is what I'm recognizing. Ready? That when it comes to his presence, it's not that God is the problem. Please listen to me. Most of the time, if not all of the time, I'm recognizing this. I'm the problem. It's not God. God's never the problem. It's always like when I look at the mirror, it's me. I'm the problem. I love what A.W. Tozer says in The Pursuit of God. You want to read a good book? You want to read a book that will have you crying? Read The Pursuit of God. Look what A.W. Tozer says. Why do some persons find God in a way that others do not? Ever feel outcasted, weird in front of those crazy Christians? Why does God manifest his presence to some and let multitudes of others struggle along in the half-light of imperfect Christian experience? Of course the will of God is the same for all. He has no favorites within his household. All he has ever done for any of his children, he will do for all of his children. Here it is, guys. The difference lies not with God, but with us. Man, man, we understand that his presence has come to us to show us that it is for us. Everyone say, it's for me. He's got a name for me. He's got a name for me. There's a presence for me. His presence is here and he wants to manifest his presence in us. A people that understand that it doesn't work without his presence. That his presence is for us. I want to be a person that pops. Everyone say pop. I should have popped the bottle today. But then I would have been like, oh no. It would have been one of the Martinelli ones. Martinelli's apple, ju apple juice. My son drinks that. You should have popped the Martinelli bottle just to, to explain to you, like, I want to fizzle out. I want people to explode and get impacted by what comes out of this jar that just has some oil in it. Last week's message. A people of presence, that there's a preparation and an offering, and we've learned it ushers in a presence. How many of you guys know people that need the presence of God? Okay, watch this. If we set the atmosphere right, come on. Let's bring them into the presence of God. Starting when? Right now. Next Sunday. Everyone that needs presence, what do you do? Bring them to the house of God. And together, let the presence of God manifest. Because of your preparation, because of your offering, it will usher in the presence of God. How many of you could say amen? Come on. Give God some praise. <laughs> Understand today that his presence is for us. Too many passages to show this, I can't. So I'll go to one that I've shown you already just to bring repetition. It's an amazing story in Judges 6. Let me explain to you something. You know what it is to be taken over for seven years? You might not because you live in an amazing country. You know what it, what it, what it, what it, what it is that, that you have to hide yourself in caves and in mountains to hide from your enemy? You don't, right? You just go to home, you put your alarm on at home and you go to bed nice. Imagine living in caves and in mountains. You know what it is that when you would plant crops because of your hunger and because of the hunger of your children and your family, these enemies of yours would then come and they would attack you and your crops, worsening your hunger, worsening your poverty. You know what it is to live like that? None of us probably do. They would leave you and your people with nothing to eat. They would take all of your sheep, all of your cattle, all of your goats during these times, all of your donkeys. That's good. That's money source. You need those things. You know why you need a sheep? Because when it gets cold, you need that what? That wool to keep you warm, man. And now they took them off from you. You need donkeys to trans 
transportation. You need some cattle to eat to get some milk. And they take it off from you. You know what, that, you know what that's like to live like that? None of us do. You got laid off your job, but then God blessed you with another job. I mean, this is serious stuff in Judges 6. Left to starve with all those you love. And that's what's going on in Judges 6. And in verse 12, it tells us about a man, a young man named Gideon. And Gideon was there and he was threshing wheat. But I love this. He was threshing wheat, not in front of everyone. If you read the passage clearly, he was threshing wheat in the wine press, hiding from the enemies. He didn't want them to see them. So what does he thresh wheat? In a wine press where I'm hidden. And then the angel of the Lord appears to him. A lot of biblical scholars believe that this is a Christophany. That Christ is appearing in the Old Testament. I just want to believe it with them because I think that's cool. And it tells him this. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Come on. Come on because I'm about to end. Not yet. Give me a second. But the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Church, I really want you to read this with me. The Lord is with you. Number one, mighty warrior, number two. Is there something odd about that statement? Yes or no? No one's brave to answer because I was going to ask you why. There's something very odd about that statement. The Lord is with you. Right. So I'm hiding from my enemies in a wine press, crushing wheat with my feet, and the Lord is with me. I'm starving. My children are dying of hunger. I've seen how skinny my kids are. I have no cattle, no donkeys. I have nothing to feed myself, but yet you... Oh, angelic thing is telling me that the Lord is with me. Hiding in the wine press, threshing wheat. And God says, the Lord is with you. Oh, yeah. Number one, doesn't make any sense. The Lord is with you. Number two, mighty warrior. Really, mighty warrior? Because I'm hiding. Because my people are being defeated. You know how many relatives have died already? But I'm the mighty warrior. Actually, I'm everything opposite of mighty warrior. I'm hiding in a wine press, scared for my life because they've already killed family members. I don't have food to eat tonight. I'm threshing wheat to see if I can get some sort of cereal out of this stuff. Do you understand what you're telling me? That the Lord is with me, mighty warrior? It doesn't sound pleasing to me. I think it's the wrong time to tell that to me. Number one, there's no way Gideon felt the Lord was with him. Number two, there is nothing in Gideon that felt like a mighty warrior. Gideon's response is magical. You want to know what his response is? Well, if the Lord is with me, why has all of this happened? Ever been there? Ah. Oh. If the Lord is with us, why has this happened to us? If the Lord is with me, why did this happen to my child? If the Lord is with me, why did this happen to my marriage? If the Lord is with me, why did this happen to my workplace? If the Lord is with me, why did this happen to my parents? If the Lord is with me, why did this happen to my car? Because it broke down on the way to church. If the Lord is with me, why did this happen to me? If there's leaks on my roof and I can't fix it because I don't have the finances to fix the leaks in my roof. If the Lord is with me, how is this stuff happening to me? Come on, I know that's God speaking to someone. Oh, mighty warrior, mighty warrior. See, I read this and I see what the Lord is doing here. What the Lord is doing is he's affirming two things. He's affirming, number one, hey, Gideon, I know you don't believe this. I know you haven't seen it, but I want you to know more than ever. Point number one, here's what God's telling him. Um, God's presence is still with you. Uh, it has not left you. Oh, I sure 
feel like it has. Well, it hasn't, Gideon. Point number one, I want to make sure you know God's presence is still with you, Gideon. Hey, church, New Life, point number one, I want you to still know God's presence is with you, New Life. Point number two, um, Gideon, uh, God sees who you are capable of becoming in his presence. What's that? Should not have asked. Mighty warrior. <laughs> Mighty warrior. Verse 14 in Judges 6 says this. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with strength. Everyone say, go with strength. But what kind of strength? The strength that what? You missing something here, God? What strength do I have? Go with the strength that you have. Rescue Israel from your enemies, the Midianites. Because what? 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 Remember Moses? I'm not going unless you're what? Unless your presence goes with me. Go, go, go rescue your people. Go fight the Midianites. Well, why should I? Oh, here's the answer. Because I'm with you and I'm going with you. I'm sending you. This is not emotional. This is not you being pushed by peer pressure. This is the manifestation of God's presence confirming to you that you've been called to be a mighty warrior. Walk out to your calling and go kill some enemies. You were called to be hiding in a wine press threshing wheat with your smelly, stanky feet. You were called to walk with a shield and a sword and fight enemy enemies and destroy and conquer for the name of your God. Go, mighty warrior, I'm sending you. Many of us are serving God, but in reality, what we're doing is we're hiding in a wine press and we're threshing wheat with our feet. When in reality, God says, I never called you to that. I actually called you to get out of that wine press, put on your shield, put on your, man, put on your sword and walk out there. Make war because I've actually called you to be mighty warrior, not wimp in the wine press, threshing food. Hopefully that you could get some cereal for tonight. Do you understand that I have more than cereal? Why are you threshing with your feet? some cereal on your feet when I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Do you understand that with a whistle, I'll have a herd of cattle walking straight to your door and you will execute every single one. You and everyone in Israel can eat and you're worried in a wine press because of your enemies and you're threshing wheat on the floor with your nasty feet. Grab your sword. Grab your shield. Stop being a wimp. I'm sending you. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. My presence is there. I know what it is to be in a white press hiding while yet saying, I'm from the Lord. God is faithful, good, and righteous. But I'm the biggest whip in the world, threshing wheat with my feet. And God says, how come the way you live does not, does not line up with what you preach? If what you preach is real, then get up, grab your shield, your sword, go to the Midianites, go to war, and attack them and save your people. Oh, we're going to save Hialeah Gardens. We're going to save Miami Lakes. We're going to reach down to Kendall. We'll go to West Palm Beach. But new life will not stay like this anymore. Get out of the threshing field. Stand up. Grab your sword, grab your shield, make war, and win the people over for your God. That's it. Is this your church? If you're not, thank you for visiting us. I'm going to say the word visiting us because then, <laughs> thank you for visiting us. But is this your church? Then get out 
of the winepress, hiding, crushing wheat with your feet. Stand up, grab your shield and your sword, and let's rip these walls open. Let's move into an auditorium. Let's have two, three, four services. Let's save souls for the kingdom of God. Let's believe the hype that we're pumping up for next week and say, why is it that you guys are doing what you're doing? Because the presence of God is with us. I'm tired of threshing wheat with my feet. I'm going to put on a sword. I'm going to put on a shield. I'm going to start. I'm going to start fighting for the cause of Christ. Come on, Tito. I want Tito to come up here and not just like, ring. I want him just to worship. If he's going to come up here and just play a beat and play a single note, just sit down. I, I mean, I want to just, let's get there. Let's just get there already. If you can't get there after this affirmation of God's word, I, I don't know what else you want God to tell you and do for you. Are you kidding me? Who am I? Because I'm not capable. Look what Gideon is saying here. I'm weak. I'm nothing. I'm a screw up like the rest of my family. It's very similar to the people in scripture that God uses. I love that God sees greatness in us when the last thing we see is greatness. God sees amazingness in us when all we see is defeat and mess up. Who knows better than God about his presence than God himself? There is no way that if you're a Christian and you call this place your home church, there's no way that you're satisfied with a wine press threshing wheat on the floor hiding from things. There's no way. If you are really from this home, man, you're dying. Where's the shield? Where's the sword? I'm ready. I'm going to go fight. There's no way that in Christ you're satisfied with a hidden wine press threshing some cereal with your feet. There's no way. There's no way. There is no way. So verse 16, the Lord says to him, what does the Lord say to him? Come on. Oh, yeah. I will be with you. And you will what? I will be with you and, and and you will destroy whatever rises up against me and you know how you're going to do it with such strength as if you're fighting one man it's crazy Gideon Gideon let me remind you of this that my presence has come to you today to show you that I'm for you. That in my presence, I'm able to transform you. Remember when we shared this? And when we enter his presence with praise, he enters our circumstance with power. When the Lord's presence is in our midst, no one can harm us. But without him, we are helpless. We are reduced to nothing. Let all the nations of this world Man, I'm speaking to you today, 80, 90 of you guys today. Like if I'm speaking in an arena of, there was a football game yesterday, 156,000 to watch two college teams play. Get out of here. Let all the nations of this world trust in their mighty armies, their iron chariots, their skilled soldiers, their new weapons. But right here, 
This army, this nest, this home, we trust in the manifest presence of our God. We trust in the manifest presence of our God. I want you to know one last thing today. Ready? Not only has God's presence come to you, number two, not only has God's presence, not only is it God's presence for you, but here it is, number three, God's presence transforms you. How many of you could say amen? You know what? I want to do this for fun's sake. I'm going to fly through it. Rudy, you're going to have to click, click, click as we read it. Ready? Watch this. Watch this. We're going to end. Where was Gideon at? Remind me where Gideon was at. Where was he at? Where was he at? He was in the wine press. What? Hiding from his enemies. Doing what? Making what? Some cereal. Some cereal. He was preparing for cereal. But if he had faith in God, he should have been preparing for the meat that God was going to provide for him. I don't know if that even went over or hit home. But many of us are living in Christ preparing for cereal when in reality, Christ is giving us the best choice piece of meat. The difference is, where's your faith in his presence? Is your faith really for cereal? So Gideon is hiding. Gideon is terrified. Gideon is scared. God appears to him. You know what's dope about this? The rest of Gideon's life. Watch this. I want you to read what happens with Gideon. Because watch this. Point number three is what? God's presence what? I want to know if you believe that. Do you believe that? If you're from this home, you believe that. Watch the transformation of God's presence. Ready? In your life. You know where you're going or you want me to tell you? Here you go. We're going to start off in chapter seven. Next chapter. This is not like the next second. This is some time God dealing with Gideon. Watch this. So listen to what the Midianites are saying. And you will be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. So Gideon took Porah he went down to the edge of the enemy camp. The armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Their camels were like grains of sand. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of enemies. Oh, wait. Go back, bro. He's got it going fast. Stand on the seashore. There were too many enemies to count. 13 says, Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. And the man said, I had this dream and in my dream a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down in the midnight camp. And it hit a tent, it turned it over and it knocked it flat. His companion answered, your dream can mean only one thing. That God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and over all of its allies. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship before the Lord and he returned to the Israelite camp and he shouted, Get up! Get up! Get up! Everyone say, Get up! Come on, get up! For the Lord has given you victory over the whores, the Midianite whores. And he divided the 300 men because what you don't know is God had to shrink this group two times to only give them 300 because he wanted to make sure he dealt with his faith. Hey, enough of cereal. You're going to shrink your 100,000 men into 300 men because I'm tired of you making cereal. Watch out. He divided the 300 men into three groups and he gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar. A jar, a jar, just a jar. That's all I got, just some jars. Remember last week? Some jars, that's all I got. And with the torch in it. And then he said to them, keep your eyes on me. Oh, who's this guy? He's went from making cereal to grab that horn and grab that clay pot and follow me and, and keep your eyes on me. Who, who are you? I'll tell you who he is. He's someone that's been in the presence of God. He's not the same Gideon who's been defeated. He's the same Gideon now who knows he's a victor. A victor. Oh, let's keep going. Keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. 
He's no longer crushing wheat with his feet. He's leading armies. Man, as soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too all around the entire camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. I shared in the middle of worship. I felt there was a shout that we were missing. Shout for the Lord and for Gideon. And it was just after midnight after the changing of the guard when Gideon and the 100 men with him reached the end of the camp, suddenly they blew the ram's horns and they broke their weapons. But to jars, it's amazing what God can do with some broken vessels. Then all the three groups blew their horns and broke their jars and they held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in the right. And they all shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. Oh man, the enemies are being, the enemy has been defeated. And death couldn't hold me down. I'm going to lift your name in victory. I'm going to make your praises loud. The enemy has been defeated. Oh, I feel that song. So when the 300 Israelites blew the ram horns, the Lord caused the warrior in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. And those who were not killed fled to places as far away as Beth, whatever. I'm not even going to say that word. You can try to say that word. I'm trying to keep it holy. Near, near Zerorah and to the border of whatever the word that is, near Tabath. Who cares? They were scattered. Everyone say scattered. Yeah. Then Gideon sent for the warriors of Naphtali, Asher, Manasseh from all the the sons of Israel, who joined in chasing the army of Midian. Come on. Gideon also sent messengers throughout the hill, country of Ephraim, saying, come down to attack the Midianites. Cut them off at the shallow crossings of the Jordan River at Beth Barah. So all the men of Ephraim did as they were told. Keep going. We're almost done. They captured Orab and Zeb. Good. I don't like that name. And the two Midianite commanders killing Orab at the rock of Orab and Zeb at the wine press. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crush you where my fear was found. And, and, and they continued to chase the Midianites afterward, the Israelites. They brought the heads of a Reb. They brought the heads of a Reb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan River. Do we have one more? Because I want to keep reading. Are we done? We're done. I read this whole passage, and I say, well, who is this? Because I don't even recognize this man. It's amazing that the Lord recognizes that this is who Gideon is, not the man that was defeated hiding from the enemy's threshing wheat. What are you doing? Threshing wheat. Do what I called you to do. Gideon and go make war. What do you see now Gideon doing? <laughs> Making war. The last thing that we must know is God's presence transforms us. I want you to stand with me. There's a passage in Zephaniah when Israel and Jerusalem were going through a very tough time. And God spoke to the prophet of Zephaniah. And the Lord tells Jerusalem this, don't be afraid. Don't despair. For your God is present among you. A strong warrior there to save you. Happy to have you back. He'll calm you with his love. And the Lord delights, with, delights you with his songs. Man, how many of you could praise the Lord? How many of you could say, man, God's presence has come to me. God's presence is for me. And God's presence transforms me. 
sing, brother? You need to come up, come up. 